Welcome to another episode of Rhapsody and Reverie, a show where music and storytelling go hand in hand. I'm your host, Adrian, And I'm your co-host, Katarina. Guys, we got a brand new episode for you today, and we're really excited to share it with you all. Yeah. We are talking about the song, I Don't Belong Here, by Cat Clyde. Woo! Woohoo! I first came across this song last year in a Turner Classic Movies ad for their Halloween lineup. I love, listen, listen, I love Turner Classic Movies. I love TCM. It's my favorite. It's the only reason I still have cable, honestly. That's it. That's the only reason why I care. And every year they do a month long thing for Halloween where they show classic horror movies. And of course, some people may have a different definition of what that is. Whatever. I'm getting away from myself. The point is, is that they do a montage commercial at the beginning of the month and they usually put a song into it and it, it gives you a whole great spooky vibe. And last year's song that they chose was I don't belong here by cat clyde so now i think of godzilla and classic movie monsters because godzilla was the monster of the month last year (laughs) and i i think of i think of spooky things but like the fun cool spooky things like you know like dracula frankenstein the wolfman all the good stuff so that's where i first heard the song and i've basically had it on at least three or four different playlists on consistent repeat ever since so i love this song thank you cat clyde it's a bop. It is a bop. It is, in fact, a bop. And it, this story makes a lot of sense. <laughs> but it's a song. I know on my first listen, it felt very Katarina. Like, it, oh. it felt like a song. Honestly, it felt like a song that you would cover or write or play. Like, it, yeah, it's, it's it, a fun song. It's a fun song, and it it definitely, like, reminded me of you in that respect. I was like, yeah, this vibes. And I appreciate, to kind of just jump in, I appreciate hearing the bat story of how you found this song and the fact that it was used for, like, a Halloween thing. Yeah. Because I definitely also got spooky vibes from the song. I had, like, two images that kind of popped into my brain when I first heard this song. The first was, I think, less spooky, and it was basically, like, my brain kind of went old western in, like, a dusty bar, you know, like a dead cowboy, like uh, a cowboy movie, like that. That definitely was kind of a first vibe. Love it. I'm the lone girl man, and I'm here to... I can't do an old western voice. I don't know what I'm doing here. (laughs) I'm gonna... I'm going to shoot all the coyotes and save your cows. I don't know. You're doing good. I appreciate it. You're doing good. Yeah, that was my first vibe. And then immediately, well, not immediately, probably pretty quickly soon after that, my my brain was just like ghosts. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) It's, it's. It's a very, uh, how best to describe this song? It's It's got a very folk indie feel. I think it leans more towards the folk aspect of that, where it's it's very much like a song that I could could see playing in a wagon train out west. I don't mm-hmm. like it is it is very much that kind of energy. Mm-hmm. So I, I think your old west angle is actually pretty interesting. I hadn't thought about that. But now that I hear it, I'm like, yeah, that's like yeah. the lone gunman, the guy I walked into down. <laughs> the I'm guy really... at the end of the bar, like he just strolls up. Yeah. 
I'm ready to fight Texas Red. I'm here. If Marty Robbins hadn't already written this song, this would be it. Step yeah. outside. Bam. That's it. It also reminds me of, well, it reminds me of two things now that I'm thinking about it. It kind of reminds me of Maeve from Westworld. <gasps> yes. Oh my gosh. Another reason why I was like, this is very Katarina is because it also reminded me of Hades Town. Yes. Yes, actually. I agree. I agree. It feels it feels very much in that musical tradition. Yeah. So that said, I guess where what is what is the song inspire you to think about? What does it inspire you to want to write about? Like it really does inspire me to want to write like a ghost story. Like yes. some sort of ghost. I do have to say, like when I was thinking about what type of story I would write with this, again, initially I had that sort of smoky bar western kind of vibe. So I was at first just thinking about, okay, well, could I write a story about you know somebody in a bar, like, mm-hmm. and kind of where does that go? And then, and then like my brain went to like a bar fight, mm. and then my brain went to somebody dies in a bar fight, and then Ooh. comes back as a ghost. That's cool. <laughs> I like the trend of Old West ghost story. I can get behind this. It's interesting. Like, I don't know if I necessarily thought about setting it in the Old West. You know, like, you could tell, like, a modern version of that story. That's true. You could. But the idea of doing, like, an Old Western was kind of interesting. Number one, it's so much easier to die in the Old West versus... Now, obviously, it's still very easy to die in current (laughs) year, but... But it was a lot easier, 10 times easier, I'm going to give a rough estimate, uh, to die back then, where, I mean, you could just kill someone in a bar fight and that could just happen. (laughs) You could just shank them with a bottle. It was more likely to happen. Let's just say it was more likely to happen. Wasn't actually more likely to get shot because a lot of towns were like, surrender your guns or you can't come in. That was dumb. But anyway. I mean, admittedly, probably a good idea. No, it wasn't because the outlaws and the cattle wrangler people who stole people's cattle came in and shot them anyway. That was the problem. Anyway. Anyway. But, but like, you, you theoretically could go, oh, it's high noon. It's time to, you could shoot somebody in the street and it'd be fine. Well, they had a problem with each other. That's okay. You could be gambling at a bar. Are you calling me a cheater? Yes. Bam. And look at all the ways you can die. Now, if you call somebody a cheater at poker, you just get the casino guy to break their hands for you. And, but they get to walk away. Like, they don't get to die. You could die of dysentery. You could die from drinking bad water. You could die because... You broke your leg and you're in the desert. Okay. And <laughs> I'm letting this get away from me. There, there's many, way to, many <laughs> ways to die in the West. My point is, is that a ghost story in the Old West makes sense. I feel like there's like lots of ghosts. There's a lot of opportunities for ghosts. Yeah, I just think it would be interesting. Like, you know, the song is called I Don't Belong Here. And the mm-hmm. chorus has this, you know, it repeats that phrase i don't belong here and like i like the idea of like a wandering ghost spirit who's reconciling with the fact that they just died and are now a ghost Mm. like this kind of off kilter what's happening to me yes that's kind of the vibe that entered my brain but what about you my initial thought also leaned towards monsters for the life of me i couldn't figure out why (laughs) 
But I kept thinking about this one show that used to be on the sci-fi channel that I never watched. I would like to clarify that I never in my life actually sat down and watched this show called, I think it was called Haven, maybe? I don't know. Anyway, it, this I, I just remember the trailers for the show where this girl rolls into town and it's like things go wrong and now she's got to like figure it out because that's how every show is. And I just kept thinking about that where like somebody rolls up into town on like their motorcycle and has to deal with problems but I didn't actually want to write that story because I was like eh how many people have already told this story <laughs> and then I started thinking about this meme I saw on on I think it was Twitter maybe Twitter where it was like a mythology meme and I was like oh good and it was about this this creature from Viking mythology called a draugr I think I'm pronouncing that right if not, I'm sure Odin will strike me down where I am. Anyway, point is that they were like these these revenant-esque creatures that like were kind of like zombies that came back from the dead because they had either been buried wrong or wronged in life. And then they went to get revenge on whoever wronged them and they'd just follow you until you died. And I was like, ah... That's interesting. But then the more I wrote it, the more I was like, yeah, it doesn't feel like this either. Because, like, it wasn't clicking with me. What I like about what you just said, I like the idea of vengeance. That's fair. That was my thing. Because, like, ooh, what if vengeance is the thing? But, like, what I was planning on doing at the end was having the Draugr catch up finally after, like, decades to the person. And the person's going, wait a minute, who did I wrong? And the guy's like, I don't know, but I know you did. And like the whole thing is like, well, what did I do to you? You know, I can't actually remember. And they both just kind of sit there in silence. And that's how it was going to end. I love that ending, <laughs> especially with this song. Because there's something <laughs> about the end of this song that's very just like, like it, it kind of charges to the end and like with the guitar and then it's just out. And that's kind of what your ending that you just talked about reminds me of. So it's a good ending. This idea of like a cut off ending, I think is a good one. But I think that you hit on something with the Old West ghost thing. Only because this song feels so folk-based. I think it kind of needs that that setting. It needs... It, it, it definitely... I, I feel like it definitely... It, it, its home is in, like, a sort of, like, a Western, old, like, yeah. kind of, like, rough-and-tumble kind of feel. The revenge thing, I think, is really interesting in this idea of, like, a pursuit... I agree. Of some sort. And then also the ghost thing. I think I think we could marry those two things together. Agreed. What what would a, a, a we have a, a concept. We have a vague concept of old west ghost and revenge. So how do we what is a plot? What plot is born from this? I'm not sure if this is a plot, but like it could be interesting since we're both writing stories if we each write from one of the like we have two characters. Mm -hmm. Maybe one's a ghost and one's not. And, like, ah. we each write from the perspective of one of those characters. Interesting. That could be kind of interesting. But that's not really a plot. It's not a plot, but but it's a premise. Yeah. And it's better than an idea, which is better than a vague concept. The song is I Don't Belong Here. And it's, like, it's this perspective of a person that's, like, transient. Yes. And kind of, you know, I go where the wind takes me. Mm-hmm. And I... I'm on my own. So maybe that's the perspective of one of our characters. I like that. That uh, so I'm leaning then if the if if we do that, my idea would be then that it's like an exorcist character who like I don't know, he's the lone guy who has he can't ever stay in one spot. He has to keep going where he's needed. Okay, so we have a character he's like a cowboy exorcist. Yes. Ooh, what if there's like one ghost that he just can't either exercise or shake or something. 
<gasps> yes. Yeah. But the question is like, why? Why wouldn't he vote? Maybe it's not really a ghost. Yeah. Or maybe it's just like, maybe, maybe it's because it's somebody attached to him, like his life. That's true. Maybe it's the one he can't shake because he's too guilt ridden. Or maybe it's he helps everyone, but he can't help himself kind of a thing. Mm. Or it's the devil. <laughs> <laughs> or, or it's the devil. Oh, Satan. There's a part of the song, and I don't remember the full lyric, but I think it's in the the last verse right before she ends it with that big chorus, there's a voice telling her she's got to go. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, oh, the paranoia. You can't rest because you got you can't stay in the one place. You got to leave. Yeah, it's like she's like being driven away. Yeah. As opposed to choosing to leave and do whatever she wants. Like, it's more of a like a compulsive, I have to leave. Yo, what if he dabbled in the dark arts? Before becoming a cowboy exorcist. Yo, cowboy Constantine. But that's interesting. I like that. Where, like, before he was just like, let me just fuck around in the occult. In the Old West. So would his dabbling in the occult result in him making a mistake and hurting somebody? Yeah, he makes a mistake. Like, a terrible one. It ends up hurting someone or killing someone. And then that is what is following him. I like that. I want. I really want the poltergeist. I think to be like this vengeful woman, and then from like the guy's perspective, it's just how many wrongs do I have to right before I before it's over? Like yeah. before I can stop. Does true atonement really exist? Like, mm-hmm. and and like, is it does it only stop when you're dead? Like that's the question. Yeah, I like it. I, like I think it. we've got. I think we've got our stories. I think we did it. Yeah! High five. Yeah! I love it. So you're Ghost Dump Cowboy. Stay tuned. Stay tuned. All right. So it's story time. It is. It is. Cowboy Exorcist Ghost Revenge is apparently a difficult theme for us. Who knew? (laughs) (laughs) All right. We're talking a lot about the stories, but I think it's time to read them. Yeah, it is. It is. And I think this time... You have to go first. Oh. Ha ha. That's fun. It'll be <laughs> no. <laughs> it it'll be interesting me going first since I have the ghost perspective. So that's true, and you also have the shorter story because mine actually turned out to be five pages this time. Oh, good. That's yeah. good. It, at least one of us should have a long story. <laughs> <laughs> but I think now I want to hear it. I'm excited. Let's go. All right, now uh, it's time for Cowboy Ghost Story, yeah. number one. Um, all right, I'm not, I'm not gonna try and qualify anything, so I'm just gonna get into it. Go for it. All right. <laughs> Scorched Earth, a flash fiction story inspired by Cat Clyde's "I Don't Belong Here." No one should be surprised we ended up here, least of all me. No, I'm not surprised by my turn of fate. Mama warned me about this kind of thing. A woman's got to be careful, you know. Her fury scorches more than just the earth beneath her feet. It'll burn bright blue and lap up damn near everything. 
nothing will be left of you, she'd say. I can still hear her whisper it in the winds. Well, I sure proved her right in life and in death. I wish I could tell you I don't enjoy these ghastly things I do. As I watch embers crash around me, hearing the screaming and wailing chaos outside, mix in with the crackling flames laughing at wooden walls. I wish I could tell you that all this destruction I caused left a rotten taste in my mouth, or turned my stomach. But it doesn't. After all, whatever corporeal mouth I once had has decomposed down to bone long ago. The truth is I am nothing but shadow and flame. All I do is consume everything in my wake and hop beneath the feet of Judah, the ranger that made me. Corinna! His gruff voice calls into the burning parlor, and I savor the sound of him choking on the thick smoke of my handiwork. Judah! Oh, please help me! Her voice rings clear through the raging flames from the next room, and though strained and filled with fear, her fell-like voice is still just as airy and innocent as it was a few days ago, when little Miss Corinna sought out the services of the shadowy ranger passing through town. I, I've heard you're the man to trust with the problem of an otherworldly nature, she had inquired after sheepishly approaching his table in the saloon. Her family home had acquired some sort of unfriendly visitor, you see, and she didn't know what else she could do. Poor little thing. Copper hair, helpless little doe eyes darting back and forth, lost in a world far too big for her. Looking at Miss Corinna's quivering chin, Judah just couldn't resist trying to be the hero. He really should have known better by now than to agree to this kind of thing. But Judah's never been as smart as he lets on. After all, playing the hero is a dangerous gamble to make when I make such a good villain. I watched Judah narrowly avoid a piece of roofing careening to the ground as he inches his way closer to Corinna's prize. Stay calm. I'm almost there. He manages to get out, but the flames around him sear the back of his leg. Ugh, his winces of pain are damn near intoxicating. I reckon maybe there was a way of saving my soul once, but one makes the most peculiar of friends and acquaintances in the space between one life and the next. Strange specters teeming with dark deeds and bad ideas. Not the type of company befitting the woman I once was, surely. But ain't that the beauty of where I exist now? These terrible, frightening deeds done in the dark don't look so grim after years in such company. Take that spirit haunting Miss Corinna and her kin. A real piece of work, that one. Though he, like most others I meet nowadays, lacked vision. Spoots and scares are quick thrills. But where's the appetite for true terror? That is a long game. It takes patience. Which is why I let Judah chase that other spirit out of town and taste victory. I waited, peering on as Miss Corinna and the rest of the townsfolk rejoiced, and sang their praises for the courageous ranger who dared to take on the underworld. 
I waited, silently watering that tiny seed of hope in his mind. The hope that this was it. This is the town that finally meant his salvation. The hope that little Miss Corinna freed his soul from my torment. I toiled that soil in his mind for days until happiness began to sprout. Then I set fire to it, along with every home, saloon, and general store in this miserable little town. And when Judah finally reaches the room where Miss Corinna screams out to him, I watch his face grow stone cold once more as my grand pyre crushes her body underneath the burning rooftop, collapsing down from his very eyes. I study his desolate expression as he navigates his way out of the destruction. I drink in the tears of the survivors he passes by, and for a moment I feel the closest I'll ever get to feeling alive again. But as I watch him mount his horse, ride away from the mess he's made, and set up camp in the pitch black night, I feel that fury Mama warned me about scorching the earth I float above. It's not enough. It's never enough. He'll never stop, Judah's eyes seem to say as he sits by his small campfire. I know he can feel me lingering there. I am the shadows in the trees, the snapping of twigs and leaves. No, I whisper into the winds as the campfire burns hot. I'll never stop. Neither one of us dares to ask why. See, holy shit! Oh, that was good! That felt so satisfying. <laughs> oh, that was good. That was good flash fiction. I like that term we're using now. Thank you. <laughs> I like that. It sounds fancy when really it's just I did not know how much further I could take it. But you know what? I really liked the theme of like the scorched earth about how like, what is it? Hell hath no fury like a woman scorned. And here she is wreaking literal hell on his life <laughs> with fire. And I love that for her, you know? <laughs> Right. <laughs> I think I think that's such a it, it it ties into the song in a really interesting way too. With uh I don't belong here cuz like she's like desperate to create this chaos, but it isn't enough for her. Mhm. I love that. Yeah. You know, it's funny and we'll probably get into this when we read your story, but like I know that you had talked about really wanting it to end with them at like just staring at each other at a campfire so mm -hmm. like i had that image like in my brain because that's what you had like suggested and so i guess i just kind of started ruminating on fire and fire and more fire and then eventually i was just like let's just set everything on fire for this entire story <laughs> and that you know what it worked and i love that <laughs> The only way this could have been better is if our song was Ring of Fire by Johnny Cash. And you know what? <laughs> it still fits the theme. It still fits. This was so good. I loved the the atmosphere you created. I loved how she, like, her anger really was all-consuming. And it was so fun. Because she, uh... I don't, I don't, I like that you kind of didn't get into, like, whether or not he really was, like, a terrible person, or if he was, like, a bad per a good person who did a bad thing. Like, mm -hmm. you kind of leave it up for interpretation, and in a way it doesn't matter, because, like, you're just, you're scared of her. You're like, oh, I don't know what, I don't know what he did, but goddamn. Yeah. <laughs> like, 
<laughs> I like that though. I res- I I like the uh, the unknown factors because it's like, wow, what could you have done to to incur that? I mean, we know, but like, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. So I think that's great. That's really smart. It was a really smart decision to to like hint at things. I I think part of it too, you know, since we are doing this kind of connected story. I wanted to keep it vague to kind of play with, like, make sure it plays well with yours. Mm-hmm. Like, I think it works better that way. At least in my mind, it works better that way. And, you know, I certainly, I have my, like, I know who she is. I know what he's done. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, you're right. It's cool. You you really don't get the vibe from my story like as to like oh does he deserve this pain and suffering you really don't know and you gave him extra angst which i like because like my story kind of hints at angst but you gave him that extra angst of oh he thought he was good and he could settle down but nope he could not which is great because i like insinuate it but i don't explain it i mean i feel like we should just get into reading yours too and then we can talk about them as a unit together my story is called dust devils Ooh. couldn't couldn't think of a better title honestly i'm a, i am intrigued the title dust devil has caught my attention admittedly i already was excited so the... that's right <laughs> dust devils a story inspired by cat collides i don't belong here The sun hadn't quite risen yet over the canyon ridges, and the embers of the campfire still smoldered, but Judah could see the outline of the woman plain as day, though outline was a strong word. She was fuzzy, like she could very well have been blended in with an early morning fog if there'd been any in the desert, but the night had been clear, and the smoke from the fire had long since dissipated. Judah didn't raise his head, nor did he open his eyes any more than a crack. He'd long since learned that there was not much point in reacting to her, no matter what she did or said. The thing was to keep away from her, to stay a safe distance away, so that she couldn't get what was left of her hands on him. That would be trouble. But she never came too close, not when it was this close to the day. He sighed, debated on whether it was worth it to catch a little more shut-eye, but ultimately decided that since the sun was on its way, so should he be. Morning, he said to the shade, a touch of sadness in his voice mingled with the familiarity one saves for an old friend or neighbor. Time to get moving, then? The shade, of course, said nothing. She was too far away from him to hear the soft groans, the mournful hisses, or the usual fuss he knew she was kicking up. But she was just close enough to throw a rock, shaped like an arrowhead, right at his cheek. It hit its mark. Your aim's getting better he said wryly as he gingerly touched the cut on his cheek, his conscience assuaged a tad by the pain. Well, Lord knows you've had the time to practice. He dodged as another pointed rock came flying at him, but he did not stop to say any more to her. There wasn't any point. If she could hear him, and he wasn't even sure of that much, he doubted that she cared to hear a word. He couldn't blame her. Saddling his horse and kicking dust over the remnants of his fire, Judah set off for the nearest signs of civilization. 
The people of Hell, New Mexico had seen enough trouble in their time to be able to tell the good kind of visitors from the bad, and the man who rode into town on his jet black horse, staring dead ahead as if not seeing anybody, seemed to fall into that latter category. It was not their place to say so, however. They considered themselves good Christian folks who were above such things as getting mixed up in the affairs of strangers, and besides, they were full up with their own problems, their own damnable business. Better to give him the side-eye, pass him his liquor, and take his money if he needed supplies, and eventually send him on his way without a word. Keeping a limit on their physical interactions, however, did not mean that they were immune to gossip. I saw him as he rode in. Looks as if he hadn't slept in weeks, said the general store owner to the baker's wife. Weeks? Hell, he's got rings around his eyes so dark he might not have slept in months, she hushed back. <laughs> Quite her suit, ain't he? giggled Mary Catherine as she shopped for ribbons with her sister, picking up on the threads of conversation. Hair almost halfway down his back and that beard thicker than the brush around the farm. Hush now, Liza said. Stop your lying. He ain't nearly as bad as that. But he's certainly unkempt. Best to keep away from him. Do you think he'll be around for the- Let's hope he gets what he needs long before then, Eliza said, grabbing her sister's hand, not a little unforcefully. So he can be clear of here when it comes. The preacher stood wide-eyed on the porch of the store, watching the man and his black horse make their way to the saloon, come to a stop at the hitching post, and dismount. The man patted his horse with enough affection, to be sure, but the brief second he met his eye from across the dusty road sent the preacher's spine shivering. That man, he said aloud, though nobody else could hear, is touched by evil. The sword of Damocles hangs over him, ready to drop. That man has been touched by the devil. Whiskey, said Judah pushing a silver dollar across the bar. He sat down as he ignored the stares from the few other patrons of the bar, mentally writing off their snickering as drunken folderol. He was used to it by now. The woman behind the bar eyed the silver dollar, then slowly raised her eyes to him. His spirit sunk as he realized he might not be acquiring any spirits of his own anytime soon. "'Where have you been lately that whiskey costs a dollar? she asked him. "'Here and there,' he said. I can pay if it's more. You bet your ass it's more, she muttered. But your money's no good here. We have a policy in hell, no outsider, sir, from noon to three. You best get on your horse and out of town. She turned away to clean a glass, but Judah's interest was piqued. Hell? Good a name as any, she said, not looking at him. And if you don't like it, you can... Clear out, you said. Judah spoke softly as he looked around. His coat shifted, and the pistol he kept in his holster caught the light. The stakes and small glass jars that dangled from his belt clanged together. What kind of... She began, but Judah abruptly faced the bartender once more and pulled his coat over the strange accoutrements. Why do I have to clear out? He flashed a brazen and unconcerned smile. I always seem to want to stay when I'm told to leave. It... Ain't safe, the bartender began, but Judah leaned forward, his eyes glinting with eagerness. I don't tend to lack safe towns, he said. No hope of anything happening in those. The woman pursed her lips and made to leave, but Judah grabbed her hand. She glanced at his hand and noticed that two of the fingers on his left hand were missing. 
and in their place were lines of white and angry scar tissue. He gave a smirk as she met his face. He could guess what had been going through her head. Ah, as a matter of fact, I quite like the dangerous places. So if you'd be good enough to tell me why you people are so scared of strangers being in your town for the greater part of an afternoon, I'd be mighty grateful. How'd you lose your fingers? That is impolite and a story for another time. What the hell kind of gun is that you're carrying? And those other things, what are you? Judah didn't say, nor did he look away. He hadn't intended to stumble upon another case quite so soon, figured he was due a break after all the hell from the Rougarou and New Orleans, but he wasn't one to complain. One more job, a little less weighing on his conscience after all. Maybe he'd find the redemption he was so desperate for in hell. He let go of the bartender and put two more silver dollars on the counter. Tell me more about this place, he said. I've got a good twenty minutes to spare if my watch ain't slow. She looked again at the money, and this time pocketed it with a sigh. She poured him the glass of whiskey and unceremoniously sat in front of him. What do you know of dust devils? she asked. I grew up on a farm in a place like this, Judah said. Dust storms. I know about them well enough. Good, she said, because I hate explaining the basics. Not far from here, about 40, 50 miles maybe, there's a, a cave. Something called Carl's Doom, Carl's Bet, something like it. Heard of it? Well, no. There's there's some that say there's a ladder there. The, to, well, a place maybe reminiscent of this one, I suppose. I've been to see it myself, more like a few gashes in a stone wall, but I'd be lying if you didn't get the sense that they did lead to something. I was never bold enough to climb down, but what I'm saying, stranger, is that, well, a few years ago, somebody did. Judah took a sip of his whiskey. How do you know this? You put things together when your town goes from normal to well. I suppose anything can be normal if you live through it long enough, but there was this incident a while back. A story that's been told a thousand times in a thousand towns. Married man takes a mistress. Wife doesn't take too kindly to it. Married man breaks it off and mistress pays the price. Though, honestly, whether it was the wife, the mistress, or the man who said to climb down that hole, I couldn't say. We don't know who and we don't know why, though we got ourselves a good guess. Well, long story short is somebody couldn't let sleeping dogs lie. At that, Judas stiffened. The cold was returning to him. He could feel the shade not far off, perhaps only twenty miles outside of town. She shouldn't be able to catch up to him so quickly, not in the daylight, but maybe it was all this talk about raising hell and, well, everything else. How much time would he have here? Two days? Maybe one? The afternoon? She can sense it, he thought. The guilt, the shame and pain of this place mirrors her own. What does this have to do with dust storms, he asked, though in his heart he had a feeling he already knew. I call them dust devils for a reason. I know that's usually just a name, but in this case... In this case, somebody decided to summon a couple of Rabisus and let them loose from hell. I'm sure they love the irony. The look the bartender gave him made him laugh and take another sip of his whiskey. Uh, old word for sand demons, ma'am, that's all. Dust devils, as you put it. Little bastards that aren't harmless, but aren't impossible to deal with. 
if you stay out of reach. How many people you lost? Ten, she said, her voice trailing off, unsure. Judah could imagine her thoughts. What does this bastard think he can do about sand demons? Or how much does he know exactly? What's he think he doing here? But all he said was, Well then, and threw back the last bit of his whiskey. It burned on the way down. I better get to work, but uh, just in case, he said as he stood and looked around the room. Everyone else had retired to individual rooms with better protection than the swing doors of the saloon could have provided. Stay away from the windows. The woman glared at him. We know what we're doing here, mister, she sneered, and disappeared into the back room before Judah could say another word. The dust devils were just riding into town by the time Judah had settled the salt circles and traced incantations in the sand. Wild twisters that moved with intent, trailing a path in the sand they blazed it through every day for years. He could make out their pointed, angular, diminutive bodies, their sharp teeth and bright eyes through the dust and wind they whipped about them. Their laugh was grainy, their cries chilling, but Judah smiled. This would be easier than he expected, as they were whipping and riding their twisters right into his trap. They'd be dust themselves in about fifteen minutes, oblivious to anything except the destruction they dreamed of causing. All he had to do was stand there, say the right words, and poof, another time saved, another place to kick the dust from his boots to move on, ever moving on in search of the one thing that would finally balance the cosmic scales that would make it enough. Maybe this one, he thought. It's all too close to home. It has to mean something. One minute, he was there, sure of himself and his grasp on the situation, and the next, a large wooden rocking chair came crashing right into his drawings in the sand, destroying the seal. He didn't think twice. He stepped outside the circle of salt to run to fix his sand trap, only to be flung to the ground, claws ripping at his shoulder. He looked up to find not the dust devils bearing down on him, but her, the poltergeist, his shadow. Her large black eyes that were blacker than the void bored hatefully into him, her pale skin and blurry outline gaining definition by the minute. Hate radiated from her, which hurt much more than the physical damage she could do to him. Not now, he screamed, though of course that was useless. She was beyond him. Her revenge was all-consuming and seemed close at hand at that. The dust devils were too close too close for comfort, and the outer bands from their twisters were starting to pour into his lungs. The sand was cutting him up inside, though the burn from her touch hurt worse. She grinned at him, with a mouth that once held so much sweetness for him, now brimming with malice. It would be easy to give in, to let her take him after all these years, but self-preservation's a funny animal, stronger than guilt. He shoved the regret deep down. He forced his hand to his gun belt and whipped out a vial of holy water that he kept next to the gun and flung it in her face. Instantly she was gone, though he knew from experience that she wasn't done with him. She'd be back in an hour or so, would have reformed and found him by then, but he couldn't think about that now. He dashed to the place in the sand where he swiftly drew once more the traps he needed, but the dust devils were on him now, chattering and grinding their teeth, a maddening sound. He was having trouble breathing, pinned down, his back against the wall. He smiled. <laughs> now what I tell you, go to hell and stay there? He coughed, whipping out his silver pistol with the carved handle that the bartender had once admired, engraved in sigils he'd designed himself long ago when he was young enough to think he could play with magic. 
I mean for you to go to the one with all the fire and brimstone, all right? They shrieked as the bullets knocked them back into the traps, sealing them into the ground and pulling them under. The twisters died out as the dust devil's last shriek sent ripples into the dirt. Judah coughed, then breathed in deep the fresh air. He drank up the rays of the midday sun as if it had never left. It was night once more, and the campfire was blazing. She had not caught up with him again, nor did Judah's soul feel any lighter than it had been before the day began. But he could live with that. For now, at least, he could live with that. The bartender had thanked him with a bottle of whiskey, real whiskey, not the cheap stuff worth three dollars a glass. She'd even asked him to stay the night, not out of any misplaced affection, simply because she'd never seen a man thrown on his back so often look so damn eager to keep getting tossed about. In his heart, he ached for this almost normalcy, but he knew that to give in to any kind of intimacy would draw her straight for him, and it would be a death sentence for the bartender. He politely refused without divulging any of that. Now, propped up against the body of his sleeping horse, the night sky above and the campfire before him, Judah began to let himself relax. The muscles in his body ached, and they would ache more tomorrow, he knew, and they would hurt the next day, and the day after that. All until he could find that one good deed, that one thing that could make up for what he had done. That thing that could cleanse the slate. She floated, just on the other side of the campfire, not moving. She made the slightest of sounds in what had once been a throat, a kind of raspy gurgling that had once frightened him, but no longer. He opened one eye and stared at her, gazing into her dark, lifeless eyes. She would not come for him tonight. The salt ring he poured around him and his horse would see to that, and come the morning she'd be distracted by the sun, and he'd have a chance at a decent head start. He stared at her and massaged the place where two fingers had once been, bemoaning the fact that most of the good in the memories were long forgotten. Only the guilt remained. When he looked at her, that phantasm, the empty husk of the woman he had loved and wronged, had cursed with his own selfishness. He could not even remember the sound of her voice. Good night, darling, he murmured, and pulled his hat over his eyes and went to sleep. The end. <laughs> that was dope. No, I like that a lot. What I like about your story... And this whole thing is that, like, I got the personality of Judah. It reminds me of something, but I don't know what it reminds me of. But, like, it's this very sort of... You know I picture? I picture Matthew McConaughey. All right, all right, all right. I'm here to... But, like, a really kind of, like, loose, but also, like, serious, you know? Like, a good mix between the two. I like Judah. Yay! Which is... It's nice to like him. Yeah. Because I had to write a story where I hated him. But. <laughs> yeah, I know. <laughs> that was the thing. I was like, do I make him redeemable or do I make him a flat out asshole? Like, all things considered, like him having damned her by accident mm-hmm. or was it an accident? I don't know. I wanted to be like, eh, he's trying his best. Like, he fucked up, but he's trying his best. Yeah, I think you certainly <laughs> did that. And, like, what I like about your story is that it feels like a much, like, an older and mature like judah um and so like it's like he's had years and years to 
really work through this guilt and shame. It's still there, of course, but like he's he's yeah. lived with it for so long that he's able to like find a sense of like equilibrium within himself. Like the, at the end of your story, like I think that really like hinted at it, where it's just there. There's like a pr- specific line you mentioned that like really brought it out, where it's just like he he's not gonna worry about it like for a moment. He's just gonna deal. And accept like the the campfire scene. I think is a really good illustration of like how far he has come in his journey at the end. So yeah. I I like that a lot. I feel like your story takes place after the event of my story. Oh, yeah, for sure. Because I feel like he he had learned his lesson of I can't be happy. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Whereas your version of him was trying and like was lulled into that false sense of security, and he was like. Never mind. I can't have that. I think if you look at it that way, it's almost like my story was the kind of, like, final realization that he'll never have anything happy again because of her. Yeah. And then yours is the, like, well, what does that, like, him continuing? What does that mean for... Because, like, at this point, he's like, okay, maybe I'll never be happy, but maybe when I die, I'll go to heaven. (laughs) (laughs) That's all I want. (laughs) Maybe somebody will forgive me. I think my thing was like, all I really saw was the campfire part. And I was like, I need to emphasize that he's trying his best. Mm-hmm. Um, and also there really is a, a thing in Carlsbad Cavern, New Mexico with a ladder to hell. I know because that was my 4 a.m. Google find. Or I was like, oh, I'm stealing this. <laughs> I'm going to use that. Uh, I'm happy for Carlsbad for having a, leather, a ladder straight to hell. That's cool. Do you guys go? <laughs> Tell us, New Mexico audience, what do you do? <laughs> Hell, New Mexico does not exist. I Googled it. I was anxious that I, I was like, please don't let me use a real town. There are actual places in America named Hell, though, which is great. Yeah, I think I've heard of one. I just forgot what state it's in. Imagine being from Hell. <laughs> Where are you from? Hell. Hell. Yeah, you look it. Imagine. <laughs> but yeah, I think our stories actually complement each other very well. We did it. Yeah, I think this I think this worked out really well. Now there admittedly is a little part of me that's like, yo, I should have wrote more like I have more ideas and that's We can we can check back in with Judah and his and his poltergeist, perhaps with another song. Perhaps another maybe maybe when we finally get to Deep Blue Love we can do that. I feel like that could be one that would work. Maybe. maybe yeah. perhaps. Or we we pick an, like a country song and we're like, Yes, this is it. <laughs> I think with that beloved audience, take take care now. <laughs> what the hell was that? My my best attempt at more southern accents. I can't you keep this up. No, I like it. <laughs> I like it. I, I I do. I genuinely do. All right. Well, since it is now the end of the episode, we don't have much left to do, but say thank you for listening. Give us a follow on facebook twitter or instagram we are at rhapsody podcast on twitter and instagram and we are at rhapsody and reverie podcast on facebook um so hit us up but hey you know what else you guys could do dear listeners you could become a patron of our patreon because i don't know if you know this we upload these episodes uncut with video you could watch this very strange, unedited video uh, on our Patreon. 
where you get our reactions as well, because as you listeners know, the episode has edited, spruced up, cool sound effects, really well edited by our own Adrian So, if you want to be a patron, join our Patreon, get cool bonus content at patreon.com slash rhapsodypodcast. The link will be in the description, yeah. click it. Please don't quote me on whatever the link is. Just go to the <laughs> description show notes. All right. Please subscribe to us on iTunes, Stitcher, Podbean, Spotify, whatever Google's podcast app of the month is. I don't care anymore. Do all the things. <laughs> leave, us, leave us a review. Like us. Love us. We would appreciate it. Um, Check our website for announcements. We are rhapsodyandreverie.com because we post things there. We actually have just started doing episode transcripts, so check those out. You get to read what we're saying in case you can't understand us. I know I talk quickly. That's okay. It be like that sometimes. It be that way. Uh, So feel free to check those out and stay tuned for future announcements. So now there's nothing left for us to do but yeah to to mosey on out of here and get get along little doggy right that's western sure <laughs> i ain't gonna quit you <laughs> are you trying to do brokeback mountain right now i've never i've never seen it and believe it or not in my head i was like i have to do the shane reference you know shane come back shane but i didn't do I that i can't quite quit you that's it. <laughs> Is that what he yeah, says? Like that. I actually haven't seen Brokeback Mountain. Either. I need to watch more westerns. That's what this means. Yeah, because apparently the only one we can reference isn't a western at all. It's not? No. I mean, I guess, oh. like, no. I thought it was a western. <laughs> it's too, I mean, it's not a western and, like, it's not set back in, like, the 1800s. It takes place, but it takes place in the west. It's a western. La La Land is a western. Anyway, goodbye, listeners. <laughs>